You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 137. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by PrepDish.com. Shop once, prep once, and enjoy healthy, stress-free meals all week. At the end of the show, I'll be doing a mini interview with PrepDish user Jennifer Liptrot about the service. Today, we're going to speak with Jasmine Starr. For anyone in the wedding and photography worlds, I'm sure you probably have already heard of Jasmine before if you're not already very familiar with her. And I'm so excited to share her story here on The Lively Show. I personally first found out about Jasmine when I was at Alt Summit a handful of years ago. I went to her presentation sharing her story, and I loved it so much that I went the next year to Alt Summit and went back to the exact same presentation because she was that good. She brought down the house. It was so inspiring to hear her share so authentically what she has gone through, her choices she's made, and it is now a joy to have her here on The Lively Show to do something very similar. We go into a variety of other subjects and tangents beyond just how she got to where she is, and it is so exciting to have this episode for you. I will say I had more goosebumps while we were recording this episode than any other one before, and I cannot wait to share Jasmine's wisdom with you. Let's go to the show. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Jess. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I am so pumped to share your story with everyone. So let's start with your background. Tell us how you got to where you are. Well, I'm currently sitting in my living room. And when I look back at how far I've come as a creative, as a person, as an entrepreneur, and just somebody who's aspiring to live a fulfilling life. So about 10 years ago, I was in law school and I was wildly unhappy and I was suffering and battling with depression because I thought that I had worked so hard to be at the place that I thought my life was destined to rest at. Why law in the first place? Oh, wow. We're going to start there. Okay. So you're basically the Oprah, the hard hitting questions on the internet. I think back on this often and it's really ridiculous why I chose law, to be quite honest. I chose law because people always said, I was great at arguing. I'm not even lying. People said law because I was pretty academic. I don't, I would never classify myself as smart, but I'm definitely a hustler. And so I think academically I did well because I would just work really hard. And I kind of, to be quite honest, like my parents are, we lived in like lower class, kind of lived in, you know, I lovingly refer to it as like the ghetto, but I grew up there and I kind of felt like the way that you get out of kind of like the rough and tumble areas is through education. And so the minute I earned my college degree, I thought, well, law school, like this is how I'm going to continue moving forward. So in retrospect, I wonder like, wow, was I not okay with myself enough to actually take the time to question what I wanted to do? But instead I just went like, the safe route. This is what I'm destined to do. I got a scholarship. So clearly I should be at UCLA law school. Wait, I just got goosebumps from what you said. When you said, am I not okay enough with myself to take the time to figure out what I should do? Can you go more into that? Yes. And the only reason why I can go into that now is because it took me 10 years to realize that I just wasn't okay with myself. And it hurts to even say that or even to admit that, but I'm happy that now a decade later, I can say that because I think that for a while I struggled with this 
this notion of wanting to please other people, please myself, have like a shiny buffered life, put things out that like looked like I belonged, that looked was impressive, that I was supposed to be there. And I think in reality, if I were to take a step back, it was never the thing I wanted to do to begin with, but I was not okay with myself to even admit that. Yeah, you're collecting all the shiny pennies to show those around you that you had made it out of wherever you feel like you came from. And you were avoiding your intuition along the way. Absolutely. What did it feel like to avoid the intuition for that long? Well, if I was going to be honest, it felt like it was just numb because I think that at some point growing up, it was just what I did. I collected pennies and I was proud of the pennies that I collected. So I was not in the moment realizing, oh, gee, I wonder if I'm going to be true to my inner self. No, not at all. I was like, hey, I'm a squirrel trying to get a nut. I'm going to get my bag of pennies and I'm going to run. And it wasn't until I gave myself the permission to actually take a step back and say, like, are you happy? Like, is this what you want to do? And that's when life really started changing. And when I started asking myself, are you happy? Is this what you want to do? I was able to make profound changes in my life. Okay. So how do we get to that moment? I'm in law school. I'm in my first year. I'm not really happy there, but I look around at other people in law school and not too many people are happy either. So I didn't think I was out of the norm. We got some really harsh news that my mom, who'd been battling brain cancer, had a relapse. And coupled with the fact that I wasn't happy at school and coupled with the fact that the doctors had said it's time for us to end treatment, it was just like a really dark space. I quit law school on a dime. I walked into the dean's office and I said, you know what, I got to be with my mom. And I went on full scholarship and part of the scholarship included on-campus housing. So if I was no longer a student, I was no longer eligible for my studio apartment in West Los Angeles. So I didn't really have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I called my boyfriend and we loaded up his truck and he took me to the one place I knew would always have an open door, which was my parents' house. So I climbed upstairs. It was like 1030 at night. My mom was in bed. And I crawled in next to her and I took a big whiff from the back of her neck and she smelled like Pond's facial cream and eucalyptus. And I thought in that moment, I just made the best decision of my life. And then later that night, I went downstairs to my bedroom. I woke up the following morning and there was an in-sync poster on the wall. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I just made the worst decision of my life. <laughs> The polarities, you know, I ran the gamut, the full gamut of emotions, but that was the first time in my life that I had to make a hard decision, which was the first time that I asked myself, are you happy? Are you doing the thing that you're supposed to do? And waking up with my mom and promising to be part of that process of her recovery process or her death process at that time, we didn't know. I said, yes, I am happy. And yes, I'm supposed to be doing the thing that I'm doing. And it kind of shifted my perspective entirely. And how did it shift? What changed? The idea that the only person who is able to determine happiness and fulfillment is myself. And for listeners, the only person who can determine happiness and fulfillment and passion and calling is yourself. And it was such a powerful thing to learn. I was dabbling with learning it when I was 25. And now you've learned it more since then? Yes, because now it's become a daily mantra. I've recently read a book called Essentialism, and it's really about people. Um, this is more in the business world, but I, I absolutely apply it to my personal life, is you should only be doing the things that you are so wildly qualified to do, passionate about, and that play to your strengths. 
And I feel like asking myself that question when I was 25 and asking myself that question when I was 27 and asking that question when I'm 28, as the years progressed, I became more honed into the fact that when I asked myself, are you happy? And the answer was no, that I became conscious and fully aware that if I was unhappy, the only person who was in charge of my happiness is myself. And so I think that kind of leads out to the story. So the good part, the best part of the story is that just this morning, my mother called and I said, mom, I'm doing the Just Lively podcast. The fact that today that her life is a testament because it was her life. I was 25 and she was 50. I felt like I had a midlife crisis. I said, if I die when I'm 50, I don't want to die a lawyer and I don't want to die unhappy. And I firmly believe that it was her life that changed the trajectory of my business, of my career, of who I was and forced me to answer really hard questions. So for that, I am so eternally grateful. And the fact that, you know, I still have my mama, like it's, it's great. It's great. But her life was the thing that really changed me. And it's a story that I really want to share with others because I had to go through something traumatic, but wow, how much time and energy you could save if every day you asked yourself, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? And if the answer is yes, continue doing that. And if the answer is no, then what changes are you going to make to bring about the thing that you want? So you had this kind of freak out, but you stayed true to your course. Did you just stay with your mom full time or did you get some other type of job in the meantime? So I'm at home with my mom. I'm taking care of her. And I tell my boyfriend that I really want to document her process, like her life, like what we're doing together. So he buys me a used film camera and I start shooting my mom. I start shooting what that feels like. And the one thing that we knew was that we really wanted my mom to be at our wedding. We've been dating, we're high school sweethearts. So we've been dating eight years at the time. And he said, I really want your mom to be there. And against all odds, doctors were like, no, she won't be able to travel. No, she won't be able to fly. But we planned a wedding for our closest friends and family. There was like 25 of us. And we flew to Hawaii. And against all odds, my mother and my father walked me down the aisle. And what the wedding photographer did that day is sure, documented my wedding. But what he inadvertently also did was document a miracle for my family. And so I went home and I thought, my God, like what a powerful thing. What a, what, how much power a photographer yields. And I thought to myself, I want to do that. I want to hold a camera. I want to be telling people stories. And so we got married in September of 2005. And then I had to, I got a letter from UCLA and they said, it's time for you to come back to school. It's time for you to get your scholarship. So I had to make a declaration. And I sat with this green, I'll never forget. It was green. It was a green piece of paper. And I cried over a plate of penne pasta. And I told myself, and I told my husband, I was so unhappy and I didn't want to go back. And he asked me if you could do one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I said, well, I want to run my own business. I want to be a photographer. And he said something that forever changed the trajectory of how I made decisions. He said, I would rather see you fail at something you love than succeed at something you hate. He's like, try it out for a year. Just try it out for a year. And if you fail, fail happily and then go back to law school. And so I said, okay. We were poor. We were broke. We were living in this like bootleg apartment. But I was so happy. I was happy because I felt I have the chance to do something. And so that Christmas, he bought me a digital camera and I started my business and it took off. The business just exploded. I still feel that I was able to build a personal brand based on just 
realness, vulnerability. I was always forthcoming with people. I said, I just got my camera, but if you want to hire me for your wedding, I'll shoot it. And you would be amazed that people became connected to the story. This idea that somebody had to make some really hard decisions and she was pursuing her passion and people wanted to be a part of the story. And, you know, a couple years later, uh, Jasmine Star Photography was named one of the top 10 photographers in the world for weddings, which is crazy, Jess. Like it's bananas. Yes. And I know that having seen you speak on this subject twice before, you're all about the pistachio ice cream. Can you share a little bit about what the pistachio ice cream has to do with this story? Just it's pistachio ice cream. It's Star Wars. It's chess. It's NASCAR. It's the thing that makes you feel alive. It's a thing that you love and it's a thing that you identify with. And it's this idea of attracting or repelling. It's if you like pistachio ice cream, own that pistachio ice cream. Tell people you love the pistachio ice cream. If you love Star Wars, wear your Star Wars t-shirt with pride. If you love chess, well, you should be Instagramming and Snapchatting how much you love chess because what you're going to do is you're going to attract people who resonate with the same idea. You're going to repel people who just don't understand you or like you. And I firmly believe that you will go farther with two people who genuinely like what you do than trying to get 200 people interested in what you think you should be putting out into the world. And my whole idea and what I subscribe wholeheartedly to is I would prefer to hang out with a smaller group of people who get me who understand me than trying to impress other people who are still confused about the thing that I'm trying to do. And by the way, I have to say, I think I have the most goosebumps I've ever had in any show. (laughs) You just kind of glossed over going from a girl with a camera and no law degree to top wedding blog or photography business ever. I don't want to go like into every little nook and cranny of that, but what are some of the nuggets there that we should look at? You know what? Because this isn't necessarily a business or entrepreneurial podcast, I could get into the specifics. But what I think would appeal to more of the audience was this idea of transparency, was this idea of vulnerability. And I know that's such a buzzword right now, which is why I was like, should I really use that word? But honestly and truly, I believe that people become attached to people and ideas when 100% of the cards are laid out on the table. So how we were able to grow a business and how we were able to get such avid and crazy, amazing brides and fans and supporters was that you just laid it all out there. So I'm okay sharing my life on a blog post. I I share a lot via social media. And it goes back to that idea, Jessa, we just spoke about attracting or repelling. Like I am okay being disliked for 100% of who I am. And the people who actually like me and understand me, they're a hundred percent. They have a hundred percent skin in the game. And that to me has become a defining factor in how the business changed. So yes, we were nominated top 10 wedding photographer in the world. But now what's happened is I've been able to connect with other people, other entrepreneurs, other creatives and talking to them and empowering. I know that sounds very, very egocentric, but giving people the permission to embrace all of them, the good, the bad, the fugly, and the not so great. And I feel like that's been the trajectory. So it's been a really good change. And it goes back to how we started the conversation. Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? And if the answer is no, what are the things I'm going to do to change that? Yes. And you have a huge audience. You're kind of in a fishbowl in a lot of ways. And I remember seeing something on Facebook years ago where people were all up in arms, like you just said. Some of them were all in all skin in the game and other people were all negative and they were hashing it out all about you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this poor woman. So what is that like to have that type of attention on you? 
Okay. Wow. That's like, okay, Jess, like that's a deep question, girl. We're getting real. It's very, very, very hard. And it is very, very, very beautiful. And for the pendulum to swing as far as it does, you cannot always want amazingness and happiness and people like totally and completely supporting you without understanding that as far as people swing to the right, they will equally swing in the opposite direction. And if I only had an audience that swung for me, then I would be living in a dream world. I would go unchecked. I would have the the propensity of walking around thinking like, yeah, what we do is great. Like, this is awesome. I'm impervious to negativity. But what I think the people who swing on the opposite side, the people who spew hate and anger has taught me and made me believe and learn that hurt people hurt people. And so instead of me trying to be like, well, why don't you like me? The question I go back to is, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Yes. And if people don't like it, it will not affect me. And if other people step up and defend me, then they will do a better job at defending me than I could ever do trying to defend myself. And so in that, I find hurt and I also find beauty. And so I rest in that space. As hard as it can be, I still am just saying, you know what? For those who dream big, you will have a lot of opposition along the way. And when you find that, do you avoid reading it or do you read it in process? Oh, it's like gasoline. And I want to drink the gas and all my friends and family say, don't drink the gas. It's so bad for you. And I say, no, I love the gasoline. And um, no, it is the worst thing you could possibly do. I do read it. I read it if I'm in a good space. If I'm saying, you know what, with my integrity intact, I could read and see things that are negative and I could say, is there truth to this? And if there's a little bit of truth, what can I do to change? How can I get better? How can I fully articulate my thought, my being, my energy? And they make me stronger. So for all the people who try to be, like tear me down, I'm like, hmm, how can I use this to get better? Now, if I'm not in a good space or I feel like I have been disingenuous, then I ask my husband and my business partner to go through and really clean up the things that I shouldn't be seeing at that time. So when it comes to this transparency and vulnerability, have you ever had a moment, even though you're so transparent, have you ever felt like you've ever gone over the line and you're like, like that part maybe was where that line got crossed? I get this question asked often and not in that way, which I, I actually like the way that you had phrased it. Most people say like, you know, what if you put too much or I am not comfortable you know, so for me, the my form of measurement has become what I call the man on the airplane rule. So what I share online would be the same thing I share sitting next to a gentleman I happen to just meet on the airplane. Now, you, my threshold for sharing information with a stranger might be different than yours, and there's not a right or wrong, but I am okay talking about my mom's battle with cancer. I am okay talking about the fears that... Um, that I create in my mind when it comes to starting a new business. I am okay talking with people about my vegetarianism or the fact that I'm gluten-free. There's a lot of stuff that I'm okay with, but the question I ask myself before I pen something to my blog or share something on social media is, would I share this with a gentleman or a stranger on an airplane? If the answer is yes, then I stand by it through and through. Okay, we've kind of glossed over some of the climb, if you will, to get to the top of the photography mountain. But now that you're there, you've taken a shift to do something new. So what sparked this shift? Not that you're getting away from photography altogether, but what caused this new chapter to emerge? 
Well, over the past year, so I started a business 10 years ago, things got uh, moved along really quickly, we were really excited. And then I was able to chat with and consult and teach other photographers how to build a personal brand and how to leverage social media marketing, kind of like, how do you get the basics? How do you get the wheels on the bike so that you can take off? And three years ago, other creative entrepreneurs were asking me for similar advice. And I would have lunch and we would have a phone call, we would Skype, and it was all very casual. And about a year and a half ago, I was meeting with a graphic designer and he said, why aren't you teaching this to other creative entrepreneurs? And I said, no, no, who am I? Like, no, no, no. And all of a sudden, after I drove home and I thought to myself, am I in that space? Can I speak with others? And I started creating a short list of people that I've consulted with just casually. And then people I've consulted with strategically. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I've been doing this for three years and I've never given myself the permission to say or step into that space. And so earlier this year, we launched the Path to Profitability, which is a website dedicated to helping creative entrepreneurs market and brand their services. And so to me, it's been a shift. And I feel like that conversation that I had in law school was, you know, leaving law school seems ridiculous, especially to people who I grew up with, right? So my dad is a pastor of a church and the church, it's in East LA. So I mean, this is like hard, like serious. She went to law school, you know, and they threw me a party and church. I mean, it was just like a big deal. And so for me to walk away, I felt like I was letting people down. I felt like I was not enough in that moment. And people just wondered, are you making the right decision? Like, look what you have in front of you. And I feel as if we're at that same kind of precipice of change 10 years later. And people could say, you have a thriving business. You travel the world to shoot clients and do what you do. Why would you leave that? And I'm not leaving it. I'm actually just fulfilling my soul in a different creative way so that I could still be inspired and ask myself the question, are you happy? Are you fulfilled? And when I'm able to pursue other creative ventures, my answer will always be yes. Oh, I love that. It actually reminds me of Jada Selner from Simple Green Smoothies who came on and shared a very similar concept with herself that she needs other projects beyond Simple Green Smoothies to really hit all the facets of what she'd like to focus on in her career. Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. And Jess, you and I met at Alt Summit, and that is a bloggers conference. And yes, I have a blog, but by and large, the people who are there, how would you describe the vast majority of the people who go to Alt Summit? Very beautifully dressed creatives with very pretty business cards. (laughs) Okay, that is exactly it. And so when I started going years ago, there wasn't a lot of people outside of like the beautifully dressed, beautiful people with beautiful business cards. But I found so much value because I was able to see what fashion bloggers, what mommy bloggers, what outside endorsers were doing in a very niche industry. And I was able to take what I learned there and apply it to my business, which acted as a big point of diversification and being unique. Now, I continue to go to other conferences and groups and networking events because I don't always want to just be hanging around with the people that I feel comfortable with. Oh, like photographers. And so that idea of creating side projects really does fulfill like the core of what I am and what I do. And I know you've been facing what this is honestly very surprising to me, but I want to learn more about why it's something that shows up in your life. Because I feel like you have so much confidence that I'm a little surprised about this imposter syndrome that you mentioned to me that you're feeling. So where does that come from? So the foundation of an imposter syndrome, and I, I really would love if your audience like Googled imposter syndrome, because basically what it is, is that voice in your mind that asks you again and again, who are you to do this? 
Is there not other people who've gone before you and done it? Are there not other people who are doing it better? Are there not other people who have larger audiences? Who are you? And I think to myself, as I step into this new venture, as I step into this new world, who are there not truly, like, let's just be real. Are there not thousands of people who are branding and marketing strategists? Yes. But the thing that I I hold as a tenant, as the cornerstone of my belief in moving forward, is there are thousands of photographers, yet there is only one me. There are thousands of branding specialists, and there is just one me. There are thousands of social media strategists, and there is just one me, and there's only one you, and there's only one of each of your listeners. And what we bring to the table are unique and beautiful set of values and a voice that's entirely our own. Now, if people choose to listen to me, I am blessed and I'm honored and I cherish that. And so when I, whenever I hear those voices of, you've got to be kidding me, you're not going to do this, like really, really, Jasmine, I think to myself, yes, there are other people who are smarter, better looking, thinner, richer, wiser, and yet there is me. And I can resonate with a group of people and those are the people who I will serve uniquely. It's not that you felt that you couldn't share the content because I'm like thinking you've done this at a huge level in your own career. So that was surprising. It was really the imposter syndrome was why me among so many, the market's already saturated. The market's always already saturated. And who are you for other people who have an MBA, for other people who consult with these large Fortune 500 companies? Like, who am I, a girl from the ghetto, to show up and say, I know how to do this and I will empower you to do the same for your business? Who am I to say that? <laughs> I think it's because you're Jasmine Star. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jazz. Thank you for that. But that just goes to show, I think there's a veneer, right? There's like this thing that exists online that people can look and think, oh, well, she could do that because that's her. And on the inside, there's like a broken girl who's like, can I do this? And I think the more that I share that it is a struggle for myself, for other people who I look up to, who we all look up to and think, it's impossible that that person would ever have any doubt. That in all actuality, the same doubt that keeps me up at night is the same doubt that we all share. And that's the thing that connects us. Now, the difference between the movers and the shakers are the people that look fear in the face and say, I dare myself to succeed. And even when I don't, it is not a failure. It is simply a stepping stone to pursue the thing that I am intended to do with my life. Uh, Is that what you tell yourself when you feel that fear? Absolutely. Because I told my husband, I said, you know what, this time next year, we're going to look back and we will say, we made mistakes. And we're going to look back and we say, we grew a lot. And we're going to look back and we say, we had some successes of the way and we had some failures. And then we get to reassess, is this the thing that we will continue to pursue? And if not, we did not fail at all. We learned, we grew, we had fun, we met amazing people, we helped people. That's the thing that I know. And if we continue to do that, then awesome. And if we don't, well, it's time for me to start something new. What's your relationship to photography now? Oh, my camera's in my hand every day. Like truly, I'm shooting, if just not for myself, for my business, for my clients, we are still shooting weddings internationally. And that's where we are. I only shoot weddings at this point in my career. And I create and foster really wonderful, amazing relationships with my clients. And it's been cool to see them kind of support this new avenue and venture that we're doing. Because it's just like a lot of my, I seem to attract a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of hustlers uh, as wedding clients. And so it's cool, like on social media, they're like, hey, can we go, can we download this course? And hey, can we do this? And I think the support is just so genuine that it makes me feel really amazing. Okay. So you still love it as much as you did before. 
Absolutely. I love it. I love it more now than I did in the past. However, the challenge of actually learning to see if I can get the business off the ground is no longer there because the business is off the ground. And there's something beautiful. Maybe it's just that little, that, that scrappy syndrome that I had just from growing up. It's like, I'm going to get out. Like, I'm going to do this. I don't know how, but I am. And that element of, can I get this thing to work is inspiring and empowering. So that's where I am with this new business. And it's wonderful that I have another business that's thriving and that can float us and give us me the opportunity and the freedom to say, I'm going to pursue what I want to do. And that's something we can all do, whether or not we're trying to earn income from something like that, right? Is to say that one part of our work or life in any context doesn't have to give us everything, but we can keep doing it and add in and develop in other ways in other areas to get the values that we want if it doesn't come from one channel specifically. Absolutely. That was episode 100 with our really good, my pretend best friend, Elizabeth Gilbert. Like... That's what she said. She said, it's too much stress to put on your creativity that it will be the thing that will sustain you personally. I want the freedom to pursue this thing without the pressure to say, this will become my career or this will pay my mortgage. No, no, no. I I have this wonderful, beautiful job that I love that affords me the luxury to be creative without any pressure on that. I, I really attached to this little phrase you said before we started recording, which was this idea of growing up publicly. What does that mean to you? You know, when when you make business decisions, when you take risks, when you put personal things online, you no longer reserve the right to say, I will only share this, but people can't ask me about that. Because if I'm putting things out, say about my husband or my dog, and they want to know more, or they want to know different things, and my life changes, I believe they're within their right to ask about those things. So because I share successes or because I share new adventures online, when we do decide to move in a new direction, when we do decide to do something new, people have opinions about it. And sometimes the opinions aren't that great. And sometimes the opinions are just a bunch of questions or doubt. I have to understand that growing up publicly means that people will have an opinion and they are well within their right to have it, but I don't have to listen to it. This also applies to our coworkers, our friends, and our family members in our own immediate life as well. It really affects a lot of people when they think about extended family and how they're going to view something, especially when it comes to their career and making a new choice or in a new path that's not seen as the safe or expected one. Absolutely. When people say something online, like I am well within my right to delete the comment. I always joke that like my Facebook page is Cuba and I am Castro. If I don't like it, I will delete it. Right. Because it doesn't mean a thing to me. However, when it comes to somebody personal, like my family, the caveat is if somebody has expressed doubt in my decision, I don't say, oh, I'm choosing to ignore you. I first ask for permission for them to support me. Like, I know that you doubt me and I know that you question this decision, but all I'm asking is, can you support me in this moment? And even in moments of doubt, I just need you to stand up next to me and say that you believe in me because I doubt myself. So when you say it, it's a compounding problem. Can you just for the next X months support me? And when you ask for it, people who love you and care for you, they give it. So often we become resentful and we close in on ourselves because, oh, my mom said this, or, oh, my brother said this. But my question to people is we bear the onus to ask for permission from our family for support. So if you have not done it yet and you feel resentful because people aren't supporting you, ask for it and they will give it. I believe that people who love you will give you the permission to to succeed and fail as you will. I'm so glad you went down that road. That is so powerful. Actually, I kind of found my own 
similar situation when I was giving the news to my family and in-laws and that kind of thing about our decision to peacefully uncouple and complete the relationship in the format that it was months ago. And we found that we got so much support and a lot of it, I think, went really well because we asked them and told them what we needed first before we gave them the news. So it's kind of what you're just sharing. It's a little bit different, but it's so powerful when you tell them what you need versus just telling them news and then letting them have their own reaction unfiltered with what you need. It's it's really tricky because there's like probably two possible reactions you're hoping and will accept. The rest of them are going to hurt you. And if they don't hit on one of those two, then you're screwed. Yes. A thousand percent. We are completely on the same page. I didn't know that you had requested that. And I think, well, how beautiful, how insightful that is truly when you set your family up for success, then they know exactly how to proceed during a painful time in your life. Yeah. And you know, if they still can't get overcome their own initial urge, at least they have the information and they're acting not in according with it. But <laughs> you can know they have it. And if they can't do it in that initial moment, maybe in the next moment or maybe 20 minutes later or two weeks later, they'll be able to get there. What else have you been learning? Recently, this ability, this notion of saying to myself that I know what I know. I don't need to depend on others. And I feel like as anytime you start something new, a new project, a new venture, picking up a new yoga class, there are certain things that you implicitly know, but my knee-jerk reaction is to look to those around me and ask like, okay, can you do this? Can you, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And I think it's kind of manifests itself in like this idea of permission. I want people to give me permission to do the thing that I want to do because permission is safe. I went and I earned a business degree, which gave me permission to pursue business. And I went to law school to, to earn a degree to pursue a legal profession. And I asked for permission from the librarian to dust the bookshelves when I was a kid. I liked the idea of safety, but now kind of coming into my own skin and being in myself, it's like, if I want to do something, I ask myself. And I think that's so empowering now as an adult to get to a place of being totally and completely okay with bearing the responsibility of successes, of failures, of learnings, of good moments and bad moments. And I think that has been something new on my radar and in my life. And as uncomfortable as it is, it's also really, really stinking empowering. And what does that process to actually check in with that voice feel like or look like? It's not like a voice comes to me. It's I first identify the emotions that I'm experiencing. I'm feeling lost or I am feeling frustrated or I am feeling out of control. And then I ask, why? Why am I feeling lost? And I say, because I don't feel confident in the, in the space I am in. And if I am not comfortable in the space that I am in, what must I do to change those things? And sometimes just actually asking the most basic questions leads me to ultimately the answers that I need to give myself. And then there are times where I, I'm a firm believer in, in working with a therapist. I have created a wonderful relationship with somebody who asks me those questions, and he's helped me ask those questions of myself. So what doubts or resistance are you currently facing in your life right now? <laughs> doubts and resistance girl doubts and resistance are like my frenemies uh, they're with me my whole life you know doubts come in a lot of different forms in my life and I think that doubt for me right now is manifesting in such a way that can I help other people pursue the thing that they have been called to do and I have spent almost a year creating 
curriculum, ideas, blog posts, classes on empowering people to do that. And right now, because it hasn't fully launched to the masses, I wonder, will it work? And that to me is more than anything. I want people to walk away feeling like that she gave it her all. And now I'm walking away with something equally as amazing and big. Doubt in myself is my husband and I work together. And when you have all of your financial eggs in one basket, meaning it's our both business, I'm not bloated by another amazing, you know, job that my husband has, it's both of us and the doubt of, are we making the best decisions financially? Can we sustain this? How much should we invest? Doubt comes in the form of being a female entrepreneur of a certain age when you ask yourself, what does family look like? Can I do that? Can I maintain? How can we grow? What, it, what will the shift look like? So those are just three main doubts. But girl, if you had another hour, I can go all day, every day about doubt. So what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? The thing I would tell somebody starting out on their new journey is one, you are enough. And when you doubt and when you have moments of insecurity, the thing that you should remind yourself is that you are enough and to extend grace and joy in moments of discomfort. That changes your outlook. It changes your perspective. It changes your approach. And once you have extended grace and once you understand that you, there are moments that you will take a misstep, there are moments where you will doubt yourself. But once you know that you have given yourself the grace and the latitude to be free within that and you have not put expectations on the thing that you are pursuing, then run. Run and don't look back. Because the minute you you stutter step is the minute you wonder, am I on the right path? Am I pursuing the thing that I should do? And in my mind, if you have given yourself grace, if you do not put your pressure, if you say, I am enough, then you know exactly where you're going. So run and don't look back. Oh, Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jess. You're amazing at what you do, girl. Like we just picked up, like we're old homies having a cup of tea and it's like, you just brought down the web. So thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you'd like to find Jasmine, you can do so over at jasminestar.com. And she's on Twitter and Instagram at jasminestar. As far as myself, you can find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at Jess C, as in Canada, Lively. For show notes for today's episode, hop over to JessLively.com slash Jasmine Star. And before I share who's coming up next week on the show, let's talk with PrepDish user Jennifer Liptrot about today's sponsor, PrepDish.com. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a working mom. I have two children. My husband works full-time as well, and we're a pretty busy family. I also know you're a big fan of Prep Dish. Would you mind sharing how it works? Sure. We just discovered Prep Dish about a month ago, and we love it. I've been doing it every week since I discovered it. What I do is I print out the list, and it has a shopping list, the grocery list on front. It has directions on the second page on how to prepare And then it has a list of what to do the day that you're actually going to eat your meal. It works perfectly for us because my husband and I actually share the the duties. I put together the shopping list. I'll edit it and customize it for how we want to eat and we want to use it. Um, My husband does the grocery shopping. I do the meal prep on Sunday. And then he's actually the one who cooks it up the day of. So it's perfect splitting of duties and it's stress-free for us because everything's thought out for us already. I know you've been using the paleo plan, even though you aren't paleo. Why is that? 
Well, it's funny because when I first looked at prep dish, I saw that it was paleo and I was thinking, wow, we don't eat paleo. But as I looked at the menus, I realized it's really very similar to how we eat just without pasta or rice. And we just decided to try it and we, we love it, you know, and if we really want to eat rice or pasta, we might swap out the sweet potatoes and put pasta in there or something. So it works perfectly for us. And what's your favorite thing about prep dish? I just love the ease of use. I love the way it's laid out. It's perfect for us because page one is the shopping list. Page two is the preparation. It, it just steps you through how you're going to use it. I love that we don't have to think about what we're going to eat every week because that's something that was very stressful for my husband every day. He'd wonder, what am I going to make and try to put it all together. And now we get to share the responsibility of the shopping and the, and the prepping and the cooking. And I think it just, it's lightened our load and we have variety every week. It's been great. Tell us about the super fast plan. I hear that that is a new addition to the prep dish repertoire. I just tried that this past week and we've been enjoying that as well. The nice thing is that it only takes an hour to prepare. All your meals for the week? Yeah. Yeah. An hour? How is that possible? I feel like sign me up for that. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, well, you, you know, there's a little bit more prep that you're going to have to do the day of that you cook. So it kind of put a little bit more responsibility in my husband when he's doing the cooking. She just adjusted some of the ingredients on there. So th some of the things are just, you know, you just purchase and then you just put together really quickly. It's nice. That's fantastic. So for anyone that wants to give this a try, the Prep Dish founder, Allison, has a free two-week trial for Lively Show listeners so that you can give it a shot and see what this is like firsthand. To get the free two-week trial, go over to prepdish.com backslash lively free. Again, that's prepdish.com backslash lively free. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And now for a sneak peek. Next week on the show, we're having Dana Schultz of minimalistbaker.com back on the show. Dana was on the episode early-ish on in season one, and now she's coming back since that first initial interview where we talked about minimalism and how she got into minimalistbaker.com for everyone. By the way, for anyone on the subject of Minimalist Baker, let me go into that. If you are at all interested in any vegan or gluten-free cooking, Minimalist Baker is one of the best resources for incredible recipes that are super simple. I am not much of a cook at all. And I will say the website that I go back to more than any other one in order to do gluten dairy free is minimalistbaker.com and Dana's website. It is beautiful. And I'm now just so grateful that she's come on the show now twice coming up as of next week. And I'm also grateful to call her a friend. You guys may remember Dana from the Portland vlog. If you watch the video blog of Portland, Dana cooks for me in there and makes her amazing gluten vegan mac and cheese and her kale salad. And this episode, we're going to be going into a variety of new things, including her new cookbook. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today. 